first couple years, we didn't have a very big business. I would fly all over the country trying to get people to carry our products and no one was interested. And I would leave those retailer meetings crying and it was, or, or they wouldn't even respond. Um, and I, that was really the bet that I had. Hey everyone, I'm Yasmin Nori and you're listening to the Behind Her Empire podcast. I'm on a mission to showcase successful self-made women who share honest stories and lessons of what it really takes to create the life you want and build your own empire. I want to welcome this week's guest, Krissa Bodner, to our show today. Krissa is the founder and CEO of Thrive Cosmetics, a high-performance vegan, cruelty-free, direct-to-consumer cosmetics brand. Krissa grew up on a farm in Washington state and always loved creating makeup since she was a little girl. After working as a makeup artist to pay her way through college, she landed a job at Clarisonic and then found herself working in L'Oreal's luxury division. Krissa never aspired to start her own business until she lost her dear friend Christy to cancer at just 24 years old. As Krissa reflected on the generous life that Christy lived, she felt inspired to take action on her passion and create a brand that was truly bigger than beauty. A month later, Thrive Cosmetics was born and she self-funded the business, made formulas on her kitchen counter, and fulfilled all orders out of her one-bedroom apartment starting out. Six years later, Krissa has built a company with philanthropy at its core. Thrive Cosmetics has donated over $100 million in funds and products to women's charities since inception. However, none of this would have been possible if it weren't for the success of their products. The company generates over $100 million in revenue and is known for their best sellers, which includes the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara, where one was sold every five seconds, Infinity Waterproof Eyeliner, and the Buildable Blur CC Cream, all which I'm a big fan of. Welcome to the show, Carissa. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. It's an honor to have you. And honestly, what you've built with Thrive is so inspiring and incredible, not only to create amazing products that you're so passionate about, but also the ethos of the company has always been giving back and mission-driven. And I think you're just such a great example of how you can really scale and build a successful business that still gives back. So it's such an honor to have you on. And I've been looking forward to this interview. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. Right back at you. I love what you've created. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I'd love to start from the beginning and learn more about your childhood. I know you grew up in a very small town outside of Seattle on a farm, didn't have cable. You always had animals around you. I'd love to hear more about your upbringing and what life was like growing up. My childhood was awesome. It was by no means perfect, but I had amazing parents who really instilled in me from a very young age that I could be anything that I wanted to be in this life. I grew up in a super small town called Stanwood, Washington. It's about two hours north of Seattle. And I grew up on a dirt road. We had a ton of animals, a lot of rescue animals. I had pygmy goats. I had horses. I had chickens, dogs, cats, you name it. Um, and it was such a wonderful way to grow up. Um, and I, I love that I didn't have cable. I love that I didn't have video games because it really helped inspire creativity in my life. And when I was a kid, I really quickly developed a love for beauty products and the way that they were just so fun and playful. And I was able to express my creativity through beauty. And 
the only problem I had was that I lived in the middle of nowhere and there was no Nordstrom Sephora. It was about an hour away. And so I got back to my creative roots of creating products. I loved creating things in my parents' kitchen and I really created a little laboratory out of my parents' kitchen. And it was so fun. I, um, you know, I would use butters and waxes and, you know, steam dahlias from my mom's garden to make pigments and make some really interesting things that I would not necessarily sell, but I definitely tried to sell them. Um, and, and it was an awesome way to grow up. The other thing I want to say is that my parents from a very early age instilled in me the importance of giving back and, and philanthropy. And as I've gotten older, I really have such a deep appreciation for the way that my family really believed in philanthropy. Um, you know, whether we were volunteering at a soup kitchen around the holidays or caroling at a nursing home, like just those things are so important and I'm so grateful for them. And as I get older, I have a greater appreciation for them. Absolutely. And it's beautiful to see how you've incorporated that in your own business and life today, yes. because giving back is really core to what you do at Thrive. So it's amazing to see the influence your family had on you growing up. So I'd love to hear more about your college experience. I know growing up, you always had this passion for makeup and that continued you know, through your adult years as well. But school was something that you were still trying to figure out how to navigate and you weren't really sure you know, what your the right next step was for you when you were younger. So I'd love for you to walk us through your college experience. So when I was in high school, going back just a little bit, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, I knew that I loved creating things, but it wasn't like I was like, I am going to be an entrepreneur when I grow up. I didn't know that. Um, and I didn't have a lot of direction. And where I really found my passion and purpose was when I was about 16 years old and I joined Future Business Leaders of America and also DECA, which is a marketing organization. And it instilled in me this confidence around business and I found such purpose. And so after those experiences in high school, I didn't know where I wanted to go to college, but I knew I loved working because it gave me such a sense of purpose. And I, so I didn't have a ton of direction around college. I barely even applied to colleges. And that was how I wound up at Bellevue Community College, which was such an awesome experience. And then when I applied to University of Washington, when I had my associate's degree, which is the two-year degree, I didn't get in the first time. And I just, I think it's so important for people to talk about because I was a great student, but I wasn't the best student. And I had awesome parents who supported me, but it didn't mean that I was going to an Ivy League school. You don't have to go to the best school in order to be a successful entrepreneur. And you don't have to get the best grades. I mean, I should be out here saying, you know, study hard, but that wasn't me. I was actually, when I was in college, I was actually studying ingredients at nighttime to create beauty products. That was my passion. I worked at Sephora while I was in college as a makeup artist. And so I was creating shampoos in my dorm room and then selling makeup during the day. <laughs> and that's awesome. That's, you know, I, I totally appreciate that I got a four-year degree, but I wouldn't change my journey and the way that I got there, um, for anything, because it really shaped who I am. 
I love that you still maintain your passions when you're in school. You know, like you said, you're working at Sephora, being a makeup artist, you know, really paying your way through school. And in the evenings, formulating and playing with ingredients. I feel like, at least in my college experience, I kind of put all my passions on hold and definitely fell into the track of what you should be doing, what you should be studying, what internship you should be getting, and really forgot what I was even interested in. But I I think that's so key to talk about because I think, you know, even if you have a job right now, if you can still keep your passions alive on the side, I think that's always just so incredibly important. So I'd love to hear more about a specific opportunity that came to you when you were college at a small startup at the time called Clarisonic, which, you know, I'm definitely very familiar with. But can you walk us through that journey? Because it really played a pivotal role in your life and really what you thought was possible. Absolutely. Working at Clarisonic was such an amazing experience. In fact, it's really fortunate that I did not know how close the Clarisonic office was to where I was going to college because I would have straight up just quit school. Yeah. I mean, didn't you graduate early also to just start working? I did graduate early. Yes. I graduated early because I would do summer school um, as well. And I, um, yeah, I got my dream job at Clarisonic when I I had not graduated yet. And I honestly, I was really transparent about it. I don't know why they gave me the job. It was an entry level position at Clarisonic. And it was so awesome because the company was still really small. So I got to have my hands in a bunch of different things. I got hired on technically in the international marketing department, but I was also working on product development. And I always knew that I wanted to do product development. And so I was able to... um, connect with the people that were currently working in product development. I was working with the chemists and the different engineers because Clarisonic was a device. And what I loved about um, when I eventually got into product development, I was able to marry my passion for devices like the Clarisonic and formulas. It was such an awesome opportunity to create. Yeah. And I talk about this a lot, but I think if you have the opportunity to work at a smaller startup and wear different hats and see really the ins and out of business, I think it's such a good experience, especially if you are entrepreneurial and you are wanting to start a business potentially one day. It was amazing. Yeah. And then Clarisonic was actually purchased by L'Oreal and I got to go work for the largest beauty company in the world in their luxury division, creating formulations, whether it was skincare or makeup. It was so fun. And I loved, loved my job at L'Oreal. You really had your dream job at L'Oreal. And I know in another interview, you said that you were hell-bent on climbing the corporate ladder. So you weren't thinking that you would leave anytime soon because you were so incredibly happy. But at some point in your life, your life really went on a completely different path when your best friend, when you guys were in your early 20s, passed away from cancer. Can you take us back to that really difficult moment in your life because it really shifted the way you thought about your purpose and what really drove you in your career. Absolutely. Thank you for asking. My friend Christy was magnetic. She was incredible. We actually met at University of Washington and after college, she went abroad and was teaching English to orphans and really using her passion for philanthropy to change the world around her. And so when she unfortunately passed, 
I thought so much about, it was one of my first experiences as an, a, a young adult losing a friend. And I thought so much about the legacy that she left and how much thriving she packed into those 24 years, literally until her last breath, she was helping others, inspiring others. She was trying to make sure everybody around her was going to be okay. And just her legacy of philanthropy was so inspiring to me. And I had this moment where I just sat and thought and said, I love the beauty industry and I want to also give back. And there wasn't a company that existed that I could go work for that was doing more than just selling skincare and makeup. And that was what I wanted to do. And so that it was about a month after Christy passed that I had the idea for Thrive Cosmetics. I didn't know the name. I didn't know the color. I didn't know anything, but I knew that I wanted to create a business that was rooted in giving back. Incredible. And I know, like you mentioned, you would have gone and worked for someone or a company whose mission aligned with what you wanted to create, but it didn't exist. So you started it from scratch. But I'm curious, you know, when you had the idea to really go two feet in and build this company, did people think you were crazy? You know, you're in your early 20s. You have an amazing job at L'Oreal. Were you scared to really take that leap? You know, it was really scary. And it's still scary today. Um, <laughs> but the, the truth is, is that I had such an awesome support system around me with my family. And I'm sure they were scared too, but they were rooting for me. And I, you know, I actually didn't tell anybody because I was really outside of my, my close family and friends, because I didn't think it was going to work. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, those early days are scary and intimidating. You know, you are so passionate about an idea. And you finally have committed in your mind that you want to go all in. But you don't really know exactly how it's going to work. I mean, even for me, right, I, I've talked a bit about this in different episodes. But, you know, I'm in very early stages of creating this superfood that really helped me balance my hormones. And I was like, I know exactly, I, I can see it, right? I can see this product come to life. And and I don't know yet, you know, early, very early on how to share with everybody. So I kept it similar to you, just very close friends and family until I was really ready to share it. But looking back at that moment in your life, when you were quitting L'Oreal at the time, you still had to get a job because you were still supporting yourself. You know, you couldn't go all into this business because you needed income. So can you walk us through how you really supported your lifestyle and your business in those early days? Yeah, I knew that I could not work for the world's largest beauty company or any beauty company for that matter and start a beauty brand. So I actually worked for a nutrition company and I ran product development for them while I was building Thrive Cosmetics on the side. And I, the entrepreneur that I worked for, his name is Dave Asprey. He was super supportive of me. I was very transparent with him from the beginning. And so I have a ton of gratitude for my time at Bulletproof. I always say I would still be working there if I hadn't started Thrive Cosmetics or if it wouldn't have taken off um, because it was such a great experience. But very specifically, I went to an adjacent category. I, I looked at my skills and I said, okay, Carissa, what do you know how to do? I know how to create products and I'm really, really good at that. 
and I can't do it in the beauty industry anymore. <laughs> so what's another passion I have, which is nutrition. I love wellness and nutrition. And so working for Bulletproof was the perfect fit for me because I was able to create this amazing company on the side for a long time, almost two years I worked there to fund the company. Wow. And you know what I think is so amazing about just your trajectory is you knew your skill sets and you weren't intimidated to jump into a new industry and apply that, right? And I think a lot of people get caught up and think they can't really pivot across industries. And, you know, I've also done the same. I was in finance and I was in tech. And I think there's fundamentals if you really get clear on what you're good at that really can be applicable to so many different companies, industries, just like your own story. So I love that you brought that up. So when, and I'm a big fan of Bulletproof and Dave Asprey. So incredible too. He's awesome. Um, it's a great, he's awesome. you know, his CEO and I share the same last name, but we are not related. Isn't that great? Really? <laughs> Larry Bodner. I don't know this person, but shout out yeah. to Larry Bodner because I never meet other Bodners. And it was yeah. so funny when Dave hired him. I was like, what? So yeah, he's like, is that your uncle? You're like, I don't even know this guy. Yeah. Know, right? Yeah. This uncle that I didn't even know I had. And he's from Seattle too, which is just crazy. So anyway. I love that. Such a small world. Yeah. So <laughs> when you were working at Bulletproof, what was the process like for you to create your first product that you wanted to launch with Thrive? I really, when I was starting Thrive Cosmetics, beyond just the, the giving and the philanthropy, I wanted to create high performance vegan cosmetics whether it was makeup or skincare. And I thought about the challenges that I had personally as a consumer and also as a somebody who had been a makeup artist and worked with thousands of people to, uh, to do their makeup. And so that was where the idea for Infinity Waterproof Eyeliner came about because I could not for the life of me find an eyeliner that was both waterproof and smudge proof that would actually stay on all day. And so... I started focusing on products that I really needed personally and that I knew the world needed. And I started working in my kitchen. I was living in a one bedroom apartment in Seattle in this area called Lower Queen Anne. It's right by the Space Needle. And I started working on the formulations after work at night. It was really therapeutic for me, actually. I Instead of baking, I love making formulas and it's just been a lifelong passion for me. So it did not feel like work that part. And it still doesn't both the giving and the product creation process for me. I feel so fortunate that I'm able to do that. Like I am so grateful that it has never felt like, oh, I'm doing this at midnight. Why am I doing this at midnight? And trust me, there are areas of the business when I'm working on it at midnight, I'm like, okay, I want to go to bed now. <laughs> For sure. And I can definitely resonate with that. And a theme that comes up on all these interviews, and it's also highlighted in your story is really fundamentally understanding your passion and your why behind what you're starting, right? I mean, you are not going to have glamorous nights and days building a business. And if you really don't know why you're doing something, it's going to be 10 times more difficult. And even, you know, starting and running a business is already difficult. So Absolutely. I'm so glad that you brought that up. So thinking about the early days of Thrive, you know, I'm so curious how what that looked like for you, you know, as someone who had very corporate experience coming from L'Oreal, what did it look like when you wanted to launch this product, right? You know, whether it was finding the right manufacturer to create this idea you have once you launch your website, you know, how did you really not only build the business, but gain traction for what you were creating? You know, it's so funny when you said that I laughed because I 
when I launched the brand, I made a website and pressed publish. And then I thought people would just come. And that's so not what happens. <laughs> my friend Elise, my friend Elise was our first customer. Shout out to Elise. We named her a lipstick after her. But like, I didn't have any customers in the beginning. And going back even further, like I didn't have a background in PR. I didn't have a background in getting the word out. I just didn't know how to do that. And so I, I, I went on social media. I made an Instagram. I made a Facebook account, a Twitter account. Um, but I really was learning through trial and error on that. And with, but what I did know was the product creation process. So I came back to, okay, I feel super confident when I'm creating formulations. And from the very beginning, we've actually owned our formulas. So I would create them and then we would, we would work to produce them with different manufacturers. I did actually have that background. I'll be honest. I did from my time in the beauty industry prior. Um, but I, you know, the team that we've we've built does such an incredible job now uh, that you know makes uh, what I was doing look uh, like peanuts. <laughs> yeah, I love that, and I know we talked a little bit about this early on, but starting out, you know, as your product was gaining a bit more traction, the website was up, you had your first you know inventory in place. What did the self funding journey look like for you? You know, were you planning to raise money from investors once you gain more traction? You know, what did that look like in the early days? The self-funding journey for me was forced on me, if I'm being honest. <laughs> so um, later on, I did take a little bit of money to continue to fund the growth of the business, but that wasn't until many years into Thrive Cosmetics existing. And so when I first started, I knew from my time at Clarisonic that we had these people called angel investors, and I didn't really know what that meant. I sure as heck did not know what a venture capitalist was. So I tried raising money. I tried meeting with different investors. I didn't really have a network for that. And so I had to use my life savings to fund the company. And it wasn't like I took my full 100000 from day one and just started spending that. I spent every penny like it was my last penny. And I'll be honest, having a full-time job, even though I didn't make a ton of money there, it helped me feel like I could sleep at night. I was able to pay my rent. I was able to pay my bills because I was working this job. And it ultimately, my full-time job plus my life savings are what funded the company for those first few years. Yeah. And in another interview that you've done, I remember you talking about your association with money during those early days and how it was you know, difficult for you, you know, whether you were going to the grocery store or restaurants, you know, you were very mindful of every dollar you were spending because you were really self-funding this business and putting everything in there to get it off the ground. Can you talk more about what your association with money at that time looked like? Absolutely. I grew up in a middle-class family. Both of my parents worked they were amazing at instilling in me the importance of working and having a strong work ethic if you were going to make it in this world. And so for me, I've always had fear around money. I think that's a very normal thing. And, um, but yes, once Thrive Cosmetics became like a real business, I remember, um, it wasn't even something that I was aware of, but you know, you go to a restaurant and you think about like, okay, I don't want to order the most expensive thing on the menu. I think a lot of people do this. 
And in 2017, when we were like first becoming a real business, I finally was like, I'm going to get the most expensive thing on the menu and I'm going to treat all my friends. And that was just so awesome to be able to do that and not be stressed about that for the first time in my entire life. Uh, It was such a gift. Yeah. And it's funny because I feel like I've done maybe kind of the opposite in terms of, you know, in my early 20s, I was in investment banking and I was doing really well for myself. And now, you know, I'm starting a business, self-funding it to start. And every single dollar I'm more mindful about, right? It's like, do I really want to get that fancy, bougie, you know, latte that costs $7 or, you know, can I put my money to better use? So I completely understand what that is like. And what a beautiful feeling to have created success in a business around a passion of yours and be able to, you know, give back and take care of people that you love. Yeah. And I, and I will add to what you just said, because I really relate to that going from L'Oreal where we had budgets to stay at hotels to (laughs) staying on my friends, my friends air mattress in New York city. Thank you, Paula and James so much for letting me stay at your apartment, but you, I, I, people are like, Oh, once you've flown first class, you can never go back. Or once you've stayed in a nice hotel, I'm like, Oh, you can go back. I did. I, I absolutely did. So, um, so yes, it is, uh, it's, it's such a gift and I don't take it for granted any day. I mean, the fact that I'm living in a house, I'm so grateful for. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and I didn't really know to even dream about that growing up. And that is the complete mission of this podcast, right? I mean, you said you didn't even know how to dream about it growing up. And, you know, I'm hopeful that hearing stories like yours can really inspire women to even think bigger about what they can create and what success can look like in their own lives. Because I think, you know, once you truly believe it, that's really the first step to creating anything amazing. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. So switching gears a little bit, in the early days of Thrive, I know the first two years, you know, early on were difficult for you. You weren't gaining that much traction. You were still figuring things out. And I'd love to learn more about how you created awareness and buzz around your product, right? Especially as someone who had a background specifically in product formulation, you know, marketing, PR, and creating that awareness wasn't something that you typically knew from your past. So what did that look like for you? It all comes back to hustle. I was, <laughs> I flew out to New York and I did not have any connections in PR at all. I didn't know anybody in media. And honestly, it was hustle and grace. So many people along my journey have showed me so much grace, including Elena George at Good Morning America. She's one of their lead makeup artists there. She works with Robin Roberts. We met through Instagram. And by the way, Thrive Cosmetics had like a thousand followers. So she probably, you know, she didn't know anything, but she she listened to me. And, and Elena was such a beautiful human. She brought me into Good Morning America and um, allowed me to hang out backstage and help out with makeup and talk about formulations. And eventually, Good Morning America put me on the show. But that was six months. I mean, that, that took me six months. But I, you know, I was knocking on the door of Hearst Tower in Manhattan, like, hey, can you let me in? And you know, they have security. So it wasn't that easy. Um, but my weekends were spent trying to connect with different editors, 
I didn't know anybody there. So I was using LinkedIn. I didn't have email addresses. So I just was not going to give up. And and that's why I say hustle. But the grace, oh my goodness. I remember April Franzino over at Good Housekeeping. She was the first person who met with me. And I emailed probably 50 editors. And um, she's somebody who I still keep in touch with today. She's a wonderful human. And uh, I've been shown a ton of grace throughout my journey. And then just going back to what that day-to-day looked like, because I know you were asking about that. It was hard. It was really hard. I was fortunate to have my full-time job, so I got the human interaction. But I'll, I'll say that in 2016, when I left Bulletproof, that was really, really hard because I didn't have that human interaction. Everybody was working during the day, all my friends and family and things like that. Um, and so I was alone. And where I had to go was to come back to my why. And my why was the giving. And it still is today. My why has grown so much bigger than the philanthropy that we do, but it's at the core of why I started this company. And so something that was really powerful that, that we did was I donated products before we had even sold anything. And so I was, and I didn't do this with the intention of having the support system. I was trying to support other people, but I didn't really realize how much I needed them. Like Nolly Augustine, I'm going to get choked up talking about her. Like I need her. Dion Warner, like I needed her. And even though we donated our products to them and they were some of our early beneficiaries, they've become a part of our family. And I didn't even meet these people in person until a couple of years later because I didn't have the money to fly to them. But, um, you know, we, we donated our products to these incredible people who then would reach out and say, you know, whether they were going through cancer or domestic abuse, and they would say, this lipstick gave me the courage to leave my abuser. These lashes gave me confidence to go out in public for the first time in a month. And they would say those things to me that were so powerful that I knew that there was no possible way that I could quit. Because when you're an entrepreneur, you know, at least once a day, you're like, oh, this is really, really hard. And it doesn't get easier, but you just get better and stronger and you know how to deal with some of those challenges. So um, you know, it was, it was really hard in the beginning and I would not be here without some of those people like Dion, Stephanie, Nolly, who I still stay in touch with. And those women were some of our early beneficiaries. They've now come to giving events pre COVID. We were coming, they were going to giving events with us. And, um, some of the most inspiring people I've ever met are through the giving that Thrive Cosmetics does. Wow. That is, that is actually such a beautiful point is how, you know, early on when you're starting a business, like you said, it's, it's not glamorous. It's actually pretty mundane when you're getting something off. Like I literally miss human interaction. You, you nailed it. You said it correctly. And I I think it's lonely. I kept a journal and my journal was not positive. It was hard, really hard. I believe it. And I think you actually mentioned a really good point. You know, in those early days when you were giving back, you felt so inspired and you felt like you had a sense of meaning. And I think that is really important when you're building a business, right? Because 
it is tough. It's mundane. It's lonely. And, you know, even reflecting back on me, a lot of this podcast, I do it because it's a passion, right? I I spend time on it on the evenings, on the weekends. And similar to you, at a much smaller scale, it creates that inspiration for me to feel like I'm making an impact and helping other women really see their potential and take their life to the next step. So, and that fuels me with so much happiness and, you know, helps me in different areas of my life. So I think that's actually a really interesting point to bring up. So thinking about Thrive, by the end of 2016, the company got some serious scale. So I'm curious, you know, what did the business do in the early days to really have your products go viral and take you guys to an entirely new level? Yes, it was our customers. We, little by little, over the first two years, started to build a customer base and a community on social media. And there was no major like influencer moment that made us this multi-million dollar company. It was our community, our Thrive Cosmetics family. And so what happened was we went absolutely viral on social because a bunch of women started talking about how much they loved Infinity Waterproof Eyeliner. And so that's when I'm talking to entrepreneurs, I'm like, focus on your product, focus on your why, definitely. But you can't just throw a product out there. You have to create something that has never existed before so that people love it. And, you know, I, I know that, you know, you can hire a celebrity and get influencers to do things for you, but that doesn't have lasting power, like an amazing product and a connected community. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, you had these products pretty early on. So is it right when you guys went into social and started creating community that you really saw certain things go viral? Yeah. And I think it was just having patience, which is not something that I come by naturally. It was forced on me. I, I knew my why. I knew that I wanted to create a company that was about more than just selling makeup and skincare. I wanted to create high performance vegan products. And I had to be patient in order to build that. I wasn't able to just throw a bunch of marketing dollars at something and hope that we were going to attract a bunch of customers. Our customers have also become my friends and family because they have built this company. I would not be where I am without our customers. We would not be able to have given over $100 million in products and funds without our customers. And so I treated and still treat every customer like they're my friend because it's true. They they are they're Thrive Cosmetics investors, right? Like they are investing in this company um, by voting with their dollars. So um, that is, I I had to be patient, and it was really hard to build, but and it still is. Like let's be honest. Um, but our customers have been so loyal. And I think it's because it was a really slow build. Yeah, I think consistency and execution is key. And I think it's so important to talk about how it didn't happen overnight, right? I mean, you guys slowly built that momentum. And like you mentioned earlier, created a great product, right? There's so many good products out there, but you really not only nailed your product, but also your why and your mission. And for listeners who are building brands and new products, do you have any advice on how to build that trust and community with your clients and customers? Because so much of that has driven, you know, 
every aspect of Thrive from product development to new initiatives. So I'd love to hear more about what advice you have in building and fostering that kind of community. Yes. Be yourself because if you're yourself, you're going to, people can feel when you are authentic. Um, I, I love that I get to be myself every day with our customers. And I'll give you an example. I mean, I go on social media and I'm, you know, have no makeup on. That is not something I would have done before Thrive Cosmetics. But I'm just, I feel supported by our customers. And of course you get your trolls and things like that on the internet. But like our customers are so supportive of me when I get on there. They know I'm not some model or anything like that. You know, they're like, Hey, yeah, let's talk about beauty. So I get to be myself. I get to joke with them. I bond with them over pygmy goats. I mean, it's like, I talk to them like they're my friends and family. And you know, the other thing when our business really took off because I self funded it in the beginning, I didn't have a ton of inventory and we sold out of all of our products and our, then we were inundated when we went viral. I'm talking back in, in at the end of 2016, thanks to our customers. And then our customers told us that they wanted to pre-order products. Because I was like, hey, we're sold out for three months. They're like, um, no, we want to pre-order it. We want to be first on the list. And so I was like, well, we can't just sell them products that aren't going to ship for three months. So I had this crazy idea to send ornaments because it was around the holiday season. And from our giving events, we had Thrive Cosmetics ribbon. And so we bought every every glitter, silver snowflake. There are people listening to this that helped with this. So shout out to everyone who helped hand make our snowflakes. I've actually never told this story before. We handmade snowflakes and we used fold over elastic material to make hair bands, those like fancy hair bands. And we sent our customers a gift over 40,000 of those gifts. It was absolutely insane. I don't know if I shared that story in a very articulate way, but it was insane. And so before you even got your eyeliner, you were buying your eyeliner in November and we were shipping you a gift and you weren't actually getting your eyeliner until February. And so we were just really honest with our customers about that. And we're like, hey, you're not going to get this product. And we're sending you a present. So thanks for being patient. (laughs) That's amazing. And what I love so much about the Thrive Tribe, which I believe you call it, is just how involved the community is in every aspect of the business. Absolutely. In fact, the brilliant eye brightener that I am wearing on my face right now in shade Muna like our customers helped create that shade. We didn't have the idea to create that shade. They did. They said, we want you to make Brilliant Eye Brightener in this exact shade. And then we engage with them on a more qualitative level where we're having a real conversation with them. But also we are sending them the product to try. And then on a quantitative level, having them fill out surveys and being a part of our different studies that we do. Of course, we do clinical studies and things like that. But we are really working with our community to create this company. And I'm so thankful that we have customers who want to be a part of our journey, whether they're recommending a giving partner for us. We have over, we have hundreds of giving partners at this point, and we wouldn't have that many giving partners without our customers recommending charities for us. There's no charity too small or too big for us to partner with at this point. And so it's really awesome when our community 
comes together to recommend a giving partner or to say, we want this brilliant eye brightener shade. So they've, they've had their hand on everything with our company and it's been really such a gift. And, you know, there's one thing that you mentioned in terms of, you know, advice that you give for people to build that community is to be our authentic self, right? So when you were starting out, did you ever have imposter syndrome or any doubts in your own head about, you know, you're quite young to lead a, a really amazing company. And I'm sure you've heard that. But, you know, did you have any imposter syndrome in your own mind starting and building this company? I absolutely had and still have imposter syndrome. I don't think that it's it ever goes away. And I don't really want it to go away because I'm so aware that I wouldn't be where I am without our customers, our giving partners, our amazing employees. Our employees have built this company. I didn't do this amazingness on my own, I had an idea, but I wouldn't be where I am without our employees, our customers, people who've just showed me grace that never even worked for the company. Um, so I have imposter syndrome and I sometimes wish I didn't, but I'm also really aware that I wouldn't be here without the help of so many people. And honestly, women who've paved the way for me, like Sure, I've experienced sexism and things like that, but nothing like what women went through before me. That's very, very true. I feel like we're so fortunate and lucky that they were able to pave the way for us. So looking and reflecting back on your journey so far building Thrive, are there any key moments of adversity or really difficult moments of building the business that you can share with our listeners? Absolutely. For the first couple of years, we didn't have a very big business. And I thought we were going to be sold at luxury retail. That was what I thought. And I would fly all over the country trying to get people to carry our products and no one was interested. And I would leave those retailer meetings crying and it was, or, or they wouldn't even respond. Um, and I, that was really the bet that I had. And it was at the, it was the fall of 2016. I finally accepted that it wasn't going to happen for me. And I had been building Thrive Cosmetics as a direct-to-consumer brand on the side, but I didn't think of it that way. I really just thought of, okay, I have this direct connection with these amazing customers who are helping me build this company. Um, but D to C wasn't the buzz buzzword and buzz thing that it is today. And so it was, uh, it was really challenging uh, to get told no from retailers for so many years, but I finally accepted it. And I, remember sitting there, I was in a hotel room in San Francisco, and I just felt this come over me where it was like, I am so grateful to have this problem right now. Like so many people would trade places with me that I even have a product, that I even have a business, that we have a few thousand dollars in sales, you know? And, and I think if you, if you remember why you started and you're, you also think about everything that you have accomplished and really sit back and take that time to reflect, then you can move through that fear or through those tough times. I think that is so key. And actually, it really reminds me even, you know, I've briefly talked about I'm like heads down building a business now. And any time where I feel down or upset, I literally just had this conversation with my fiance where it's like, how lucky am I to have this problem and even get a get a shot to build something, right? Just having that gratitude and 
awareness and reflection has been key in any difficult moment in my life, even outside of business, just personal life too. So I think what you mentioned is is so key and so true. Yeah. And I mean, look, it takes work, right? I am, I am a work in progress. And every day I am starting a new day having to be grateful and be thankful for what is happening around me, even if it feels like nothing is going my way. So I don't want to come out here and pretend like I always think that way. I It takes work. It is a muscle you have to build every single day. Because if you don't keep working, it will go away. Absolutely. And we get asked this question a lot from our listeners, but are there any key rituals or things that you do on a day-to-day basis that really manages and helps your mental health? Yes. And I wish I would have discovered this early. I, like so many people, worked out and exercised to look a certain way. And it was almost, I don't want to say it was punishment, but it was like an obligation that I had. And a couple years ago, I started really embracing and being aware of the way that physical exercise makes my mind, body, and soul feel. And I absolutely love exercise now, and I don't do it to look a certain way. I do it because it's good for my soul. And I love Peloton. Shout out to Jess Sims. I do her Saturday 60 every single Saturday. Uh, Robin Arzon, so inspiring. I love, love exercising with Peloton, but even other types of movement are just so important to my day-to-day life and honestly, my sanity. I can be having the worst day and then I do a Cody Rigsby ride on Peloton and I'm like, yep, perfect day now. Nothing bad ever happened. Thousand percent. I also swear by my Peloton, but also it's crazy just going for a 15 minute walk. It sounds so simple, but anytime I feel a sense of overwhelm or stress, that has been a game changer for me. And honestly, I only started going for walks earlier this year during quarantine and it's been such a game changer. So looking back at the past, you know, five plus years of you building Thrive, what would you say is the toughest lesson that you learned along the way? I learned that I need to trust my gut. My biggest regrets come when I did not trust my gut. And it took me a lot of mistakes to learn that. And honestly, I'm probably still making mistakes where I'm not trusting my gut. I am absolutely still making mistakes. I don't want to be perfect. And I am really grateful for the fact that I'm not perfect. Um, I think that that would be really boring. And, um, but, but I do regret when I don't trust my gut because gut is pattern recognition. It really is. And, um, it's really powerful. It will tell you the way if you really listen to what your inner voice is saying. Keyword, listen to what your inner voice is saying. And I think sometimes it's so key to carve out just time where you can be quiet or alone to really tap into that because when you're in the hustle and bustle of life, it's so hard sometimes to just really tune into your gut. So I'm sure you get this question often and I still think it's helpful to talk about, but what would you say are some of the key lessons or advice that you share with women entrepreneurs that you speak to or really any woman who is looking to make a big shift and pivot in their own career? Yes. Believe in yourself and know your why. And your why doesn't have to be about starting a company. It can be like, 
similar to you, Yasmin, like you changed industries. Why are you doing that? What is your motivating and driving force for that? And believe in yourself because you are never too young or never too old to be who you always wanted to be. It's so true. It's so powerful. And if you believe in yourself, other people will come along for the journey. And you mentioned this earlier in the interview, but just how important hustle and grace was in you building the connections and mentors and opportunities in your life, right? And yes. and I think a lot of it goes down to believing in yourself and really what you're building and gathering others who can come into that own mission. And it wasn't like it was easy for you. You reached out to a ton of people, you know, whether it was on Instagram or LinkedIn. And like you had said, you know, there were a few angels who really were able to help you and guide you on your journey. And I completely agree with that. I feel like I've done a very similar process in my own life of reaching out to certain mentors who you'd be surprised, you know, how often you can possibly hear back from people. So I just wanted to underscore that statement that you said, because I do think it's something that so many people can apply in their own life. Yeah. And I never dreamed that Robin Roberts would actually respond to me. She did. And she believed in me. And then I think about Leslie Blodgett. I was such a fan of her growing up using, she's the founder and former CEO of, of Bare Minerals. Like I get to talk to her now. And if I wouldn't have put myself out there, I wouldn't get to have a relationship with this beautiful human that I idolized growing up. Same with Blythe Jack. She's a super successful investor and I knew about her and I still pinch myself that I get to know her and be mentored by her. She's a brilliant woman who has helped me see around corners so many different times. And if I wouldn't have had the confidence to reach out to her, even when Thrive Cosmetics was really small, I wouldn't know her now. And I, you know, she's become a friend, um, but, but an amazing mentor. How important has mentorship been in your life and journey building Thrive? I will be honest. I have had amazing mentors since I was in high school. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have gone to college. There's this uh, man who worked at Nordstrom. His name's Matt Dysher. I wanted to quit Bellevue Community College a hundred times. And he was like, you have to go to college. I know that you just want to work. You want to create beauty products. Because I was like, no, 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 I'll, I'll quit and I'll go create beauty products for Nordstrom. And he's like, no, you have to finish school. So it started very early on for me. Um, and yes, I've had amazing people who have helped pave the way for me throughout my entire career. Carol Hamilton over at L'Oreal, who oversaw the luxury division at that point, like she saw something in me and chose to take me under her wing. I was... I think 21, 22 when I met her, I mean, the grace that she showed me um, and, and has shown me throughout my entire career is truly incredible. Yeah. I, I think that's so key to talk about because mentorship or just having, you know, a support system behind you is so key to really create anything amazing in your life. You know, nobody does it alone. So it's great to see how that's set up for it you and your the village. Family. Takes a village. It does. So I want to close on one last question that we love to ask all of our guests on this podcast. Wealth means so much more than money, and everybody has their own definition of wealth. What does that mean to you at this point in your life? To me, wealth really means being happy, healthy, and well. And I did not come up with that on my own. I borrowed that from our chief wellness officer, Aaron Brower. But it really is so true. I 
I want to be happy, healthy, and well, and I want those around me, whether it's our employees, my family, our customers, to just be happy, healthy, and well. That's so beautiful. And I know you talked about your chief wellness officer. Can you share that story? I think she was your therapist in the past and you brought her on. I would love to hear more about that. Yes. I realized when I was a 25, 26 years old, that so many of my challenges as a founder and CEO came from challenges that I had in my child, or I I shouldn't say challenges in my childhood, but experiences that I had growing up, whether it's your family system or the people that you grow up with. And so I started seeing Erin Brower, who ultimately joined Thrive Cosmetics, um, and she she's not a therapist at Thrive Cosmetics, but she brings what she has learned in her over 20 years of practicing mental health and, and helping people live their best lives um, to have wellness and emotional coaching at Thrive Cosmetics. She joined us, oh my gosh, almost three years ago and really has helped to shape such a beautiful culture at Thrive Cosmetics. We're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. It's a very unconventional idea to bring someone like Aaron into our company. And we're still figuring out the best way to do that. Um, but it's been such an awesome journey having someone who can coach all of us to be speaking the same emotional language. <laughs> because, you know, even though we may all be speaking the same language, our all, all of our emotions come from our unique lived experiences. And Aaron's been key in helping us all understand one another. And building a startup is hard, right? Like building a company is really, really hard. So having a person who's there to coach people emotionally has been so powerful. I completely believe that. In another business that I was in, we were hiring and growing quite fast. And I feel like there was a point in the company where I honestly felt like a therapist in terms of, you know, really connecting with people, listening to their needs, their wants. And I always thought it'd be such a great idea if, you know, at some point we could hire a therapist because I feel like a lot of people want to feel heard and seen. And I think that's so important to any good culture in a company is really having people feel comfortable sharing their thoughts and their ideas and being very transparent. So I mean, I love that concept of having a chief wellness officer who was a past therapist. Well, and and to be honest, we wouldn't have been able to for- afford that in the beginning. So I don't want people to think that just because they don't have someone doing that at their company that they don't have an opportunity to do that later. Also, you know, we have diversity, equity and inclusion training that we just started this year. We didn't have the money to necessarily do that before or the process or the know-how. There's so much that I don't know. Also, leadership training. We just this year started leadership training for our leaders at Thrive Cosmetics. So, you know, those are all gifts that we're only able to do because of our employees and because of our customers um, and the success of Thrive Cosmetics. But um, I really do believe in investing in the culture and I'm not perfect. I've made so many mistakes and will continue to. So I try my best to surround myself with amazing people who can help me along the way. Well, Krista, you are doing such an incredible job and it was such a blast to have you on and share your incredible and inspiring story with our listeners. And I honestly just had so much fun. So thank you again for joining us. No, Thank you so much. And I can't wait to get together when we can in 
real life. The next podcast episode will be in person, hopefully. (laughs) Yes, I'm always down for part two and it'll be even better in person. So can't wait for that. Thank you so much for having me. It was truly an honor. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.